been a while since we did spiritual gifts. We started back in January. And then when I've preached, when it's not been a special occasion or an all-age service or whatever else might have happened, we've been looking at them and we've looked mostly at Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, that talks about apostles and teachers and prophets and evangelists and pastors. And we kind of covered them all and then Easter happened and so we celebrated Easter and then various other people have led services and this, that and the others happened. And it would be helpful to kind of draw it all together and conclude. And the timing works out quite well because of things that we've got going on. So what we're going to do today, we're going to look, kind of remind ourselves, refresh our memories about what might have been said about some of uh, those things. Um, and then next week, it's going to be the final sermon, if you like, in the series on spiritual gifts. And what we're going to have, I haven't quite worked out how and where, but around the church there are going to be a list of every conceivable thing that, between me and then I'll check with those in the leadership team, other things that, we, that have to be done to make sure the church happens. Because just to make sure that we can be here on a Sunday morning and enjoy a worship service and teaching and whatever else, takes a little bit of doing. Now, we've got a finely oiled machine, I like to think, and it all just happens and it all comes together. But we rely on a few people to do quite a lot because it needs somebody to open the door to make sure the urn's filled and turned on, that there's mugs and that there's tea and coffee actually in the pots. And then there's people to welcome and to make sure there's a notice sheet and that's just as you get through the door. Then there's all the Sunday schools and the crash and they're growing. We've got more children, so we're going to need more leaders for those and people to help out in different ways. Then there's you know, the service itself. If somebody new comes, do they know where to sit? Or do they just kind of get pointed in the right direction and kind of go, uh, what happens now? And then there's prayers and singing and people do readings and get involved in different things and we'd like to see more people getting involved. And the offering gets taken up. But what happens after that? Money goes in a bag and then obviously we just leave it in the bag. No, somebody has to count it. That goes to the bank. We've got somebody else who sorts out the finances. And then, of course, various people inevitably will walk in and say something to me. It's the worst time. If you want, if you want me to remember something or if you've got something you're concerned about, if you tell me on a Sunday morning before or after the service... That's when everybody does it, and it's the time I'm most likely to forget anything. So I quite often say, can you write that down or send me a message or do something? Because I just go, okay, if all of the... Only takes, actually, it only takes about three people. Because my head is busy doing the service, I'm not thinking, oh, right, and Helen's asked about that, and Wendy's asked about this, and Peter said... Whew. So, but it happens, and that's fine. I'm quite happy that it does. I'd be worried if you stopped talking to me. And then we go home and somebody has to lock the building up and make sure all the lights are off and that the toilets are clean and ready for them. You know, there's all sorts of... There's the kind of things you see and the things you don't see. And that's just Sunday morning. 
let alone if we start working through the week, well, so we could say the gathering or tea time church on a Sunday, we have boys brigade on a Monday, there's a games morning on a Tuesday, a Bible study in the afternoon on a Tuesday, Wednesday, I can't think that anything's currently happening, but someone will tell me if I'm wrong. Then on Thursday, there's nursery rhymes sometimes, there's Thursday fellowship in the afternoon, occasionally we have a church meeting or a leadership meeting. There's coffee morning on a Friday, prayer meetings on a Saturday, community days and various other events that happen. We're quite a busy little church. And lots of people do lots of things, but also it's nice, some people go, I didn't know that needed doing. I didn't even know that was a thing. Taking minutes at meetings, for example. Now, you might have a real gift, that might be your thing. And we didn't know, and you didn't know it was an opportunity. I like the way, though, that Natasha's just looked at Paris and gone, <laughs> that, that has just made me smile. We might be speaking to you, Paris. <laughs> you can blame your mum. But the thing is, when it works best, is when we work from the gifts that God has given us. And in the way that God has made us, some people, like me, don't mind a meeting. Because actually I see the importance of meetings. So, you know, some of them, I've sat in meetings and, and I can think of just about anywhere else I'd like to be. Like, in a room watching paint dry would be fine. I've been in those meetings. But when... I know that there's potential stuff to happen that God might be at work. And there's, there's things that are being sorted out. And we start thinking about, oh, okay, so there's some stuff, there's practicalities of things we've got to do. But, but it means actually we might start fundraising so that we can develop the building, which, which means the sound system is getting sorted out. Within the next couple of weeks, these speakers will work and they'll be, oh, it's going to be great. It's not going to be all singing or dancing, because we don't need all singing or dancing. It's going to be for what we need. And somebody, miraculously, arrived in church, happened to have those gifts and is doing it for us. Which is wonderful. But I don't mind a meeting. If, it's a, if I know the purpose of it and, it, and we're going to get through stuff, I don't mind chatting about stuff and having a good debate. I don't even mind it when I say, Rich, you're wrong. Or slow down or speed up or whatever. I like getting feedback. But other people would go, just the very thought of gathering with people to, oh, so even if it could be, it could be a meeting on the most exciting subject that's what you're really passionate about, but just meeting, no. Some people really love getting the opportunity to stand in front of people and doing stuff, whatever that is, or whoever it is, they just want to be at the front and have everyone look at. Now, if that's the reason someone wants to do it, it's probably not right in church, because you know, we're not just doing it so people look at you. Some people are a bit like me. Big part of my testimony is I was terrified of this kind of thing. If you'd asked me when I was, in fact, someone did ask me when I was about 20, what's your greatest fear? Without having to think about it, I said, oh, talking to people. Oh, it's horrible. And if if there's things that you're afraid of, when you get that like sick feeling and someone says you've got to do something and the butterflies come and you just rather be anywhere else, that was me. And then I happened to be praying one day and felt that God had been prodding me. And I read a bit in Proverbs that says, 
Um, the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of God. And I was like, oh, that's a bit strange, being scared of God. I've never been scared of God. Why would you be afraid of God? God's my friend, my saviour, my, my king, my father. Why be afraid of God? And I thought, well, maybe it kind of means respect. I've, I respect God, I'm not afraid. And I thought, well, the thing I'm afraid of is talking to people. I'm not afraid of God, so there's something wrong there. So I prayed about it, and it's taken a while. And you'll all go, yeah, now we can't shut you up. Thanks, God. Some people don't mind this kind of thing, or at least think, maybe I should give it a go. Other people, it's not your thing at all. My wife will quite happily never stand at the front with a microphone in her hand, ever. In fact, never stand at the front, whether it's a microphone or not. Just no. But most of you know my wife, and will go, she doesn't need to. Because she's got some wonderful gifts of caring and loving on people, and somehow you will get cars at different times because she picks up that stuff's happening in life and pops something through someone's door or, I don't know, gives you a hug because you walk through the door and you've got a particular look on your face and she just, she just knows. I blunder my way through and I haven't got a clue. That's why we work well together. You see, some of us are apostles. Now, I don't, I say I don't mind these things. I know I'm a bit of an apostle type. And if you were here, you'll remember that I talked about apostles. They're the people that are always not prophetically looking forward in a kind of like, I can see the future, but always want to do the new thing. They always see the new thing and want to go there, but not just for the sake of it. Because people, I hear about stuff all the time, that this is the latest thing that churches are doing, and I go, I don't want to do it unless you can prove, like convince me it's worth doing. I'm not going to waste my time on it. And I get bombarded with stuff by email, through the post, or people at college or wherever going, you need to try the latest. And I go, okay, why? Convince me, because there's loads. However, I always want to try stuff. And it happens everywhere. And I think the example I gave, if we were to go on holiday as a family, I want to go somewhere new that I've not been before, because I want to go and explore. And we quite happily, I think, go back to probably the same place repeatedly. So actually, this is nice. It's nice for the family to get to know a place. If we do that, I want to go and find a new place near the place that we've been to. Yeah, we went to that beach like yesterday. I want to do a different beach today. We know it and it's safe and the kids know it. Oh, all right then. I always want to do that new, I want to explore. I try new foods, that's just who I am. I love new things. Apostles are a bit like that. There's the newness. You see opportunities and go, well, if we do this, this could open up. And other people go, that's great, but it's not who I am. That's not me. I'm terrified of new things. I like the same. I like my spam roll. Don't give me any of that foreign food. And that's okay. I like going to the same place year in, year out on holiday. I know people who've been to the same place for the last 40 years on holiday and they love it because going to the same place is relaxing for them. I get bored. And it's great, because we're different. And I get to learn from you, you get to learn from me. Some people are prophets. Now, yes, there's the kind of supernatural prophecy that says, God has given me, somehow I know something about you, or I can picture something, 
or I can imagine something that I have no idea how I've come to know this stuff. And that's great. That is, that's amazing. And if people have that, then I'll be terrified because when God speaks in that way, often it can be that stuff's going to get shaken up. If you read the Old Testament with the prophets, they weren't given easy messages to the people of Israel. They were given really tough messages to the people of Israel and they often got ignored until years and years and years and years later. And they went, oh yeah, they were wrong. However, some people are prophetic. God's just given them that thing where they can kind of look far into the future and they have a sense of kind of the way things are going to work out. Some people know, for example, by forward thinking and thinking about the future, that there's things that you need to consider because, well, it's obvious to them that if you don't maintain a building, the boiler at some time will break that the roof starts to crumble, that the gutterings need clean. And they think about that stuff, if that's their way inclined. It might not be about the building, it might be about the songs that we sing or whatever. But they're thinking about the future. They're seeing way ahead. And they're going, yeah, I know you've just had a new whatever fitted, but in 20 years' time it won't be you. And will we leave the church in a place where it's got no money to fix it, or will we leave it so we prepare for the new thing when it needs it? They're great having prophets around. But some of us are going, why are you talking about 20 years' time? We're going to have to think about tomorrow. And then there's, and some of you are thinking, well, I won't be here in 20 years' time anyway, so it doesn't matter. You might be. You might be. And what would you hope was here in 20 years' time? And some people will be thinking, actually, do you know what we need to make sure there's people around to care for those who have got a bit more old and a bit more frail or have come down with an illness? so that they can be cared for still in 20 years from now. The prophets think about this stuff. The evangelists, the evangelists will be evangelists whether it's for Christ or whatever. You get evangelists, I used to work with somebody, they were an evangelist for art. Whatever we were doing, they wanted to talk about art and they wanted to fit art into it somehow. That's just part of who they were. Someone else, it would be fast cars. And just, if you start talking to them, doesn't matter what the conversation is, it'll end up being about fast cars and whatever. Someone else, it'll be music. Well, there's something in us that, that you... It just comes out, you can't help talking about the things you're passionate about. Some of us are much quieter. We don't really share about stuff that we're interested in. We just don't bother. We're not worried about other people knowing about it. We're not other... doesn't matter. But there's a natural tendency of some people... They just like to talk about the things that they're passionate about. And it's really great when that thing is Jesus. Because it's somehow, I've had conversations with people and we've been ordering pizza and somehow they're talking about Jesus and I'm thinking, how do we get from pizza to Jesus? I don't know how you've done that, but it felt very natural. If I tried to do it, I'd be going, got to think of a way of saying Jesus in this conversation now. And it would feel really unnatural. And often that's what we think of evangelism as, that we've got to say the thing. Some people are really natural at it. Some people less so. That's okay. Some people are pastors. When I was talking about my wife and the way that she does caring for people, she's a pastor. I've got the title, pastor. That's what people call me. Because it's the job I do, if you like. But to be a pastor is to be pastoral. 
to be caring, to be loving, seeing what's going on for people. When they walk through this door, there's some people will go, I notice such and such. They have a quiet word or do whatever. And you all know who they are because you'll all be able to go, oh yeah, such and such always are. And they remember because you'll mention, oh, my nephew is having their fifth birthday in six weeks' time or something. And somehow, six weeks later, the person who's passed over is remembered and says, how was your nephew's birthday? And I'm going, someone said something like that to me, I've forgotten. It's just in one ear and out the other. The pastoral people, they're wonderful and we need to nurture them so they can nurture us. And then the teachers. The teachers you just find, they teach. Yes, they might have the job of being a teacher, like Helen is a teacher. And there'll be certain things that Helen has to do because the national curriculum says you must teach these things and you must reach these grades and if you don't, we'll inspect you and we'll give your school a grade or whatever. Yes, there's that element to teaching. But some people, you just find that you learn from them. Whoever, and, and they're always teaching people. In a conversation, rather than going oh, and being evangelistic and telling you about the thing they're passionate about, they're kind of, they listen to you and want you to help develop at the thing that you're good at or you like. They just somehow nurture people. It's a natural thing. Not about your care and kind of a personal need, but more about. You said, you're, you said you're interested in music. Hey, you play piano? Do you think we could... Would you, would you play it here? Would you play it there? They think of the opportunities that develop people. And whilst I'm rushing around going, I've got to think about the future, I've got to think about the new thing, that other people are going, we need to nurture people to be able to do the prayers in church and the Bible study and whatever it might be. And so we need each other. Each of the passages that were read out today talked about a body. A body, 1 Corinthians says, the body is a unit that is made of many parts. And though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. And actually, what the Bible also says is that the church is the body of Christ. And you see, when... Jesus met with his disciples and they shared in the Last Supper they took some bread and he broke it and he said this is my body well this bread is still a bit on the gooey side but then he also showed that the church is the body of Christ described in many ways but if we are the body of Christ as the church made up of the many members yes we can focus on we can focus on the kind of the exciting part of uh, newness of life, but actually part of it also means breaking and being broken just as Jesus was broken. Because we're called Christians, which is to be imitators of Christ. And so the body that is the church <coughs> is, is like the bread. Now I've got to try and turn that into something that's going to be edible in a few minutes' time. In fact, can I borrow somebody? Anyone, anyone, anyone feeling brave? Well done, Wendy. Well done, Wendy. All you need to do, it's very simple. 
Okay? I was hoping I'd be able to do it, but I forgot that I got a hold of microphone at the same time. Okay? It just needs to be broken into little balls. I might get away with it. Yeah. Simple little balls. Just like that. And then plonked in the oven. And I'll try and uh, I'll do that bit. Thanks, Wendy. If anyone would like to assist Wendy in that, that would be great. It's a bit stiffier than um, when I practiced before. But you see, the body of Christ, if we the body of Christ as the church, what happens is we can either be the separate elements, the yeast, the flour, the water. We are the water, the yeast, the flour, the salt. And when they're separate, they're just those separate elements. But when they get put together, yes, they use the stronger in a bowl, and they sit there, and gradually, I guess, the water would seep through it all. But it would just sit there in a bowl and be a mess. But then it needs to be mixed. And so the different elements, the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, we need to mix up. We need the leadership team to be a mix of all these people. We need the church to be a mix of all these gifts. And all are as equal and important as others. Yes, we need more flour. We only need a little bit of yeast. And we might end up for a time with lots of teachers and only a few prophets. We need them all in the right quantities. We all need to be active. We need to be mixed together. And it gets a bit mucky and a bit messy. And then it needs to be left. So we don't play around with it and fiddle with it too much. And it kind of becomes more gloopy. And then we're going to pop it in the oven. And it will bake. And it will turn into some delightful, lovely, fresh bread, which we can all enjoy. Well, they're looking at face. Face, you're thinking, I'm not sure about that. Then <laughs> <laughs> take about six minutes to cook. It's all good for that. <laughs> and it, but it does take time, and it takes a bit of patience. It takes a bit of love and a bit of, oh no, we've got a bit of muffin with that to clear up. And that's what church is like. When it all starts to come together, we go through messy bits, we go through growth bits, we go through gloopy bits. <coughs> but as we come together, we turn from being individual prophets or evangelists or whatever it is that God might have given us. We become the body of Christ and we become something new. And as the bread bakes, it will become something new and wonderful and delightful and fresh and the smell will be delicious and we'll all get a bit hungry. But that's what it means to be the body of Christ. Mix up each of our different skills and spiritual gifts. Working together for the benefit of one another for our neighbours and the community in love for God.